It's fall, the light is changing, and the holidays are upon us. We are hopefully slowing down just a little to enjoy lovely meals in lovely companies of families and friends. We are dedicating this episode entirely to the beautiful organic products that are being harvested at this season's bounty fall produce, how to shop, store, and prepare for the holiday season, our topic in this hour. I'm Helge Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And this is An Organic Conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. Ah, it's that time again. Cozy drinks, beautiful food, and loving conversation. Thanksgiving is coming up. And other holidays are following right after. Fall is really a time of celebrations and traditions, many of which were started or are angled around food. So how is the season? We will tell you today. Fall produce, how to shop, store and prepare for the holiday season. You know what other season it is? It's film festival season too. And there's a lot happening on the circuit. I know Helga, you had a chance to go screen. You were actually at the the world premiere screening of a very topical film for what we're doing here. Yeah, it's Michael Pollan's new documentary, In Defense of Food, which will start airing on PBS this winter, December 30th, actually. So is the idea that they turned the book into a film? The movie is really about food science, what food has become, kind of promoting this nutritionalism, breaking foods down into their components and then putting them back together. It's a construct in a food lab at this point. And so the, the, the message is really avoid as much packaged food as possible and eat as much real food. Yeah. And it's a it's an amazing movie, actually. Really? It, it is, yeah, it is well done. I look forward to seeing it. Maybe we'll have him on to talk about it. He says that Apple doesn't have a label, and there's a reason for it. Mm. <laughs> so that just, and he breaks down food labels and what's in there and what it has become and trans fats. You know, taking out trans fats now, now you can find packaging that has, has no trans fats, even though trans fats were designed by the industry to begin with. So we are now being sold solutions to problems that, that the created. food industry created. Huh. Again, In Defense of Food, Michael Pollan's new documentary will air on PBS this winter, starting December 30th. And then I think there are a few more reruns planned throughout the country. So definitely worth watching. And it's coming to film festivals right now. It started with Mill Valley. Yeah, it was wonderful. Hometown good to, boy. Good to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Fall produce, how to shop, store, and prepare for the holiday season is our main focus in this hour. But as always, we're starting the show off with an update from the world of health and beauty. He is our very own Sita Rani Palomar, a.k.a. Chef Sita, and her holistic bite. 
Well, it is an entire hour on food today, and this holistic bite is also about food. It's a kind of love poem to uh, an insight that I had the other day when that 3 p.m. craving hit, which is really traditional for me. My energy starts dropping. It's like right between lunch and dinner, and I really feel like having a snack. And we've talked about this before on the show. We had Rebecca Katz on, and we had Dr. Ed Bowman on. They both said the same thing. That time of day, it's great to snack on nuts and seeds because it's a combination of protein and fat. I tend to want something sweet at that time, though. And well, fruit is sweet, but it's not exactly that exciting right at that time of day, unless you do it this way. And this is the recipe inspiration for my 3 p.m. craving. And you can basically replicate this with any round fruit, like an apple, a pear, a plum, not necessarily citrus or pomegranates, but I just think that the round fruits that have the right firmness. And I did this with peaches. And I actually used frozen peaches. So even this time of year, you can you can enjoy it with peaches or you can do something seasonal like an apple or a pear, like I said. So this is what I did. I took basically the equivalent of four peaches, about two pounds of fruit, And then I added a half teaspoon of lemon juice to these sliced peaches and let it sit for a little bit while I heated up a saute pan and added half a teaspoon of coconut oil, an eighth a teaspoon of cinnamon, and half a teaspoon of honey with a little pinch of salt. And then once the coconut oil was melted, I added the sliced fruit, heated it until it was warm, took it off, put it in a bowl, topped it with a little bit of cream, and that was it. It was so warm, sweet, it was not like having a piece of fruit as a snack at three o'clock. It was like having a piece of pie without the pastry dough. It was something that I just wanted to spend a little bit of time to spark your creativity. You're still getting your fruit, but you're getting something that seems really like nurturing at the same time, something that maybe feels like a pastry but isn't a pastry. So I encourage you to try this, whether you have frozen fruit in the fridge or you have fresh fruit, you can do this with something seasonal or you can do this with something that's a favorite that you just happen to have on hand. And, you know, I put in an eighth of a teaspoon of cinnamon, which really just kind of made it feel warm. But if you like the cinnamon flavor, you can certainly amp that up to a quarter teaspoon and let me know what you decide to try it with and how you adapt this recipe and how it satisfies that 3 p.m sweet craving. And that's this week's Holistic Bite. Thank you, Sita. Lovely. Yes, I think last week you talked about leftovers and now it's the afternoon craving. So perfect and appropriate. And we're staying with the topic of produce. We are graced by a bunch of produce lovers who have made it their career to bring you the best fruits and vegetables possible that are out there every week. That's our main focus, fall produce, how to shop, store, and prepare for the holiday season. That and more when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. 
Fry Vineyard's Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we're back here to an organic mm. conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And yes, we have a wonderful group of produce lovers here in the studio with us. It's a packed studio because our main focus in this hour is fall, fall produce, how to shop, store, and prepare for the holiday season that is upon us, not just Thanksgiving, but of course, to start with that. And they're all part of the team of Earl's Organic Produce. Ladies first, we have Christy Biddle here in the studio. She is a fruit buyer for Earl. Hi, Christy. Hello. <laughs> Great to have you. Then we have Rodrigo Valesquez. He's also a fruit buyer. Hi, Rodrigo. Hi. Glad to be here. <laughs> Great to have you. And of course, the man who usually does what's in season, it's an entire hour on what's in season, Earl Herrick, founder and owner of Earl's Organic Produce. Hey, Earl, thanks for coming in today. Oh, it's great to be here. Uh, I'm a fruit buyer, too. Yeah, he is. He was the original fruit buyer of Earl's Organic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty great uh, to have these two uh, sitting here with us. And we're real close to standing room only. Pretty great. We are pretty close to standing room only in here. We've yeah, got with Sita and me, we have five people in the studio. That's and then we've pretty got much Kristen and, and Timber. Our mascot of Timber. <laughs> so it's fall. Uh, lots of traditions, actually. We were just announcing, you know, Kwanzaa and Eik al Adha. And that you can really go through any culture or even religion, and they're mostly gathered around these stories are created around food really heavily because we always say every week is the best week in produce but this is the main fall harvest time especially as we look at winter we are lucky here in california to have almost a year-round growing season at least in pockets we can grow year-round but for most of the country this is where things slow down and you celebrate the harvest and you celebrate the bounty and hence the holidays we're hearing about drought. We had you on the show, Earl. Mm -hmm. Some produce items were really good, but the quantity was not quite there, or it was just not a great year for them. It's you know, it's always hit and miss, but we, we are dealing with different climates now. What is the overall sense of this fall and this mm -hmm. harvest? Well, it, it definitely is a culmination of the year. It, it is the harvest. And incredibly enough, it, the drought is not affecting the the end result what we're getting in in the grocery store too much now you say that to certain growers and they're going to be scratching their head they go are you kidding me there, there are definitely many acres that are not being uh, farmed uh there's there's water shortages all over the place and uh, even if there is water it's so expensive some people can't afford it but that being said i think of of all the products that are available for this time of year when you think thanksgiving fair you know the half dozen to a dozen main items the only one that I really have found to be somewhat challenged is yams. Oh, really? And, and part of that is the that hurricane that happened some months ago in the East Coast, South Carolina. They are a major yam producer, and their uh, fields got trashed. Wow. So that cuts out that production, and of course, you're still going to eat yams. So you get so you start sourcing. You meaning retailers will start sourcing more product from the West Coast, uh -huh. which will mean there's less here. So uh, supply challenged. 
and prices Price go up. Price go mm-hmm. up. Prices mm-hmm. go up a little bit. So that's really the only thing. All the other items um, that we can talk about, they're they're very uh, very abundant. They're they're there. You will not be uh, shortchanged at all. Well, and yams. I mean, some people may find what I'm about to say a little bit sacrilegious because they're really all about their yams. But you could find some pretty serviceable substitutes. You could use sweet potatoes. Yeah. You could use Hannah's. You could use Japanese sweet potatoes. You're going to get some sweetness. It's not going to be exactly like a yam, but Serviceable. And, and also uh, uh, sweet uh, winter squashes. Oh, you yeah. Know, they do a great job, whether it's a delicata, mm-hmm. uh, sweet dumpling. There's any number ones that I think put uh, right next to each other. You might be challenged if, to really be able to choose which one's which. In terms of yams, they store really well. And so if somebody listens to the show now thinking three weeks ahead of time, you could buy them now if your market has them. Because if there's a little bit short of supply and you do want your yams and you don't want to substitute, buying them now instead of the week before Thanksgiving sounds like a good idea, right? Rodrigo, how's that? Um well, with the sweet potatoes of yams, uh, you know, I wanted to bring this to the conversation. There's, there's always that, uh, which is the, the question, which is the right name? What we have in here are actually sweet potatoes. <laughs> the, the yams are, the yams are, they are from the Caribbean. Oh, gotcha. And, okay. And it is recommended that you store them for two weeks. And it's very important that you don't put them in your refrigerator. Just keep the best way to store them. It's uh, in a cool, well-ventilated place. And uh, if you're doing your um, uh, holiday shopping, two weeks, one week before you are going to cook with them will be the ideal. Uh-huh. You go, really? you can go three weeks, but you know what are the odds that you have exactly 59 degrees room in your house day and night? You're so right. probably not. Yeah. And that is the that's the temperature that uh, s- stops time in in the sweet potatoes. But or, that's or such yams. a great tip. So if you if you know two weeks prior, you know, sweet potatoes might be in, in shorter supply, get them early, you know, just put them in a cool space wherever that may be. And even the crisper in your fridge, that's a little too cold. It is too cold. Yeah. Yeah. It, it changes the flavor if you put it in your, uh, anywhere in your refrigerator. And on the counter is not ideal either. So Yeah. The, the kitchen usually is warm. Right. It's a warmer part. So find a, a place in your house that is, is cool. And uh, that, that should be, it should keep the flavor uh, of them intact. Great. I am really excited to dive in because <laughs> Rodrigo is like, yes, I can add about sweet potatoes. But I know that you already came with an idea about what produce item you want to talk about. And that is what this episode is about. Let's go ladies first, though. All right, <laughs> let's honor, go ladies to first. To honor the, the feminine creation in the fields. Christy, you, you are a produce buyer and you've been really diving into that world of fruit mostly or mainly right you're a fruit buyer it's not like you buy everything a little bit or it's not organized by geographic region really you have your your array of fruit that you buy and you're the expert on that what are what are those like what fruits are you dealing with i buy all of the berries for earl's organic produce so that includes strawberries raspberries blackberries blueberries and especially for thanksgiving cranberries Oh, this is very interesting to know because I think I, I owe you like a million thank yous because <laughs> the berries that you get, that Earl gets, I mean, that you guys are getting because you're really the quality control between 
you know, people in the um, the grocery store and the farmer, um, you guys have the best berries. I wait until Earl recommends, like, this is the farm that has the best blueberries. This is the farm that has the best raspberries. And that's what I go get. But really, the person I should be thanking is you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're more than welcome. It's our pleasure. We have a lot of fun with it. And we're really proud of some of the growers we work with. Forbidden Blueberries is one of Earl's favorites. And we're really lucky this year because it's been relatively dry and warm weather. So we have blueberry production out of California, which is fairly unique. There's not a lot at this time of year, typically. So we've had blueberries, which is really outstanding and exciting to enjoy right now. I remember Earl called in when you were out on the farm. You were yep. traveling yeah, with one of your growers. Back. And you had said that. And I, we thought, is there a chance these are still going to be around come, you know, beginning November, pushing mid-November? Yeah, you would so think we like Washington them. and past, but mm-hmm. we are back in California. How is that possible? Yeah, well, I, I think this is a great opportunity to create some memories. I mean, uh, as your kids grow up, they'll go, I remember somewhere we had blueberries Thanksgiving and mm-hmm. could never, yep. you know, the, but historically that's just not happening. How it is is that this particular grower picks certain varieties and it's all dependent on the weather. Obviously, the main production is uh, May through August and, and September. So you get that hot and mild weather at the same time, and that's what we're able to get right now mm-hmm. for the last five years in the Bay Area and California, that, that drought effect. And she's lucky enough uh, just to be in the right place at the right time, but but picking those varieties that have the best chance of success. And it's like varieties now that are a little bit more heat resistant or, you know, produce longer under certain climate situations. Is that the main reason? Yeah. She, from from the day one, she wanted to hit what we call the shoulders of the season, which is prior to March and after uh, September. Those shoulders are when you're going to get the your best opportunity to make the most money. And this is a small grower that lives on her farm. So she picked out varieties. One of them is called a sapphire. Early and late. Early and late. So she uh, prunes them accordingly and irrigates them. And all of it is with with that in mind of hitting those shoulders. That's an art, actually. Absolutely right it is. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. And it's becoming a little more prominent. There are other growers. That, was that other grower that we've done at this time of year? Uh, Rancho Don Antonio, which is in Napomo kind of San Luis Obispo, south of there. Yeah, just a little north of where she is. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's you know, it's out there. The word's out there. So Christy, you were talking about cranberries. And, yes. I, and I heard you saying earlier that that was one of the items that for you is very quintessential fall holiday meals. So what do you love about cranberries? Why are they so special to you this time of year? Well, for me, you know, it's one of the most interesting things that I buy at Earl's because it's an item that's only in season and we only really carry in, you know, October, November, also in December for Christmas celebrations. But it's a very seasonal berry and there are kind of spikes in demand for it. So there's not a lot of demand. Then you have the Thanksgiving holiday. Everybody's buying cranberries to make their cranberry relish and their cranberry sauce. And it's a little bit of a tricky one to play as a buyer, which makes Mm. it really fun. Um, (laughs) I enjoy it. Well, cranberries, in my experience, they store really well. Is that your experience too? It's not particularly a moist berry, so you can buy it early. It doesn't need to be used or consumed as quickly as blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely not. You could buy your cranberries up to even two weeks before Mm -hmm. the holiday. You'd want to keep them in your refrigerator, but it's a very hardy berry, not nearly as perishable as the others. So you'd be fine to buy that in advance. 
one thing I will say is a lot of stores will have, you know, holiday promotions and maybe better pricing in the week or two leading up to the holiday. So a week and a half to a week before, you might be able to take advantage of, you know, some sales for the holiday as well. Well, what does the crop look like this year? Do you think there's a chance that we're going to hit a shortage and it's advantageous to buy it early or is it abundant right now? Supplies look really good. We're going to be carrying a couple cranberries. Uh, There are a bunch of different regions that produce. We're going to have some biodynamic cranberries, which are grown in Wisconsin, which is very exciting. We'll also have some Canadian cranberries. Uh, They're also grown in Massachusetts and New Jersey. So different pockets around the country. But supplies are looking really good. And biodynamic, of course, we talked about biodynamic agriculture, Katrina Fry on the Demeter board, which certifies for biodynamic, has been part of the show many times. Shout out to Fry Vineyards. But needless to say, perhaps, but still worth mentioning, you only deal with at least organic, certified organic produce, all of it. You don't even have other items that are not organic. It's all organic. And then some of them are biodynamic in addition. Is that right, Earl? Yeah, that's accurate. And we're actually doing a little more uh, promoting and marketing in the biodynamic and the fair trade uh, subdivisions, if you will. This year, though, we we had an interesting exercise of contemplating and considering marketing a, a certified transitional organic cranberry. So we did some research, and two certifiers that we know, Oregon Tilth and CCOF, have a program that actually certify growers in that transition and because it takes at least three years of fallow ground to, to become certified organic. And so their program of transitional is you have to be growing organically for at least one year. So you're in transition for three years. So we felt uh, motivated to participate in that to, to you know, kind of give credit to a grower that's making a challenge, a challenging uh, decision. And for many people, uh, the yields are lower and they're not going to make as much money. So it didn't quite pan out this year, but it was a great exercise and we're looking forward to supporting that grower when he becomes organic. Yeah, that's lovely. I mean, a grower that makes the effort to be organic because of that transition time basically has all the costs to go organic from certification to land management practices, usually more labor, all that switching his entire operation to organic and yet he can't call it organic. So there is a huge gap, a huge hurdle to overcome. So for you to support that and to point out that he's doing the right thing, he's just not ready to be certified organic yet. Let's support him in his transition to the right thing. It's just, it's a really important step and I applaud you for that effort. Our topic in this hour is fall produce, how to shop, store, and prepare for the holiday season. This is an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we are graced by Christy Biddle, fruit buyer, Earl Herrick, founder and owner, and Rodrigo Velasquez, also fruit buyer for Earl's Organic Produce. And Earl, you just gave me a key word there, fair trade. Rodrigo. When we talk about fair trade, you have an item right now in your world of fruit buying that where this label applies, right? Fair trade really installed for for trading produce uh, that is not domestic for for produce from outside the country in most cases, Mexico, Latin America, to make sure that the working conditions and the labor practices and the the payment for their work is in accordance to some standard because it is so often not. Uh, what is, what's your item of the season right now that for you really stands out? Let me start by saying one of the ironies of produce is that when 
and fruit in particular, but all pros in general, is uh, when it, one item is eaten uh, at its peak of flavor and is abundant is when uh, it has the, the lowest price. Mm-hmm. I don't think there are many items, many products out there that are cheaper when they are, are the best. So having the, uh, the <laughs> this <so> time <laughs> this so time of the year is not uh, it's kind of past the harvest but an item that is at the peak right now is uh, a pineapple perhaps uh, you know I didn't grow up with uh, Thanksgiving is not something that is tradition it has been a tradition for me so I my approach to this time of the year is always more open-minded and uh, since I grew up in a vineyard and I've been involved with uh, one way or another with fruit since I was nine years old when I was driving the farm tractor and never stopped from there, um, I will go to simplicity in, uh, you know, to the question and how to prepare it. The pineapple has uh, two ways that are very simple. And one is just peel it and enjoy it. And the second one, uh, is grilling it and maybe thanksgiving is not the prime grilling holiday but being in california you know i think you can pretty safely (laughs) grill any time of the year now (laughs) and um why grilling for you what happens to a pineapple pineapple is the best fruit you can grill in my opinion it what the grilling does to the sugars it enhances the flavors. And I would say, you know, if you have not done it in the past, you should try this time. It's at its peak of production. Is um, not every single pineapple sold is uh, fair trade, but uh, many of them are. And uh, I was fortunate enough to visit some uh, pineapple operations in Costa Rica and see firsthand how the communities, uh, mm-hmm. we're talking about rural North uh, sure. Costa Rica to the Caribbean, that's where these are primarily grown, but also in Mexico. And uh, it's, uh, it's one of the areas where I see the bigger impact in the community, a be- very beneficial impact of having a fair trade program. So for me, the organic pineapple and an organic fair trade pineapple is really uh, the item that I um, I'll be I'll be uh, recommending to everybody. Great, and it's so interesting when how you started this. You you said when with produce when that's the best, it's actually the least expensive. We're actually paying more for produce when it just comes onto the market, which usually it's not at its peak yet in ripeness or in, in, in flavor, or when it leaves right as soon as it becomes a novelty. So we apply this kind of market thing of supply and demand to produce, which means, <laughs> funnily enough, that when it's at its peak flavor, then it's the least expensive. That's really the beauty of produce. <laughs> That's really a, fascinating. A, yeah, <laughs> what an irony. You want to exercise delayed gratification. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. With your fruit. With yeah, your <laughs> I mean, we, we refer to those as, uh, th- those as the shoulders of the market, mm-hmm. when it's early and when it's ending. Mm-hmm. And that's when they cost the most. And, sure. and the quality is generally most suspect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so great. Funny. 
fall produce. <laughs> we got to take All a break. All right, we got to take is, a break. I'll hold my just, question. Yeah, no, we could just <laughs> run with this. But no, this is an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helbert. And I'm Sita Ronnie Palomar. And again, with us is Christy Biddle, Rodrigo Valesquez, and Earl Herrick in our hour on fall produce, how to shop, store, and prepare for the holiday season. Thanksgiving is coming up, and many other holidays are following in its wake right after. So we will tell you how to shop, store, and prepare the best, the bounty of the season, that and more when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helbert. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Our focus in this hour is fall produce, the best from the fields and the trees, how to shop, store, and prepare for the holiday season. And with us in the studio here live is Christy Biddle, fruit buyer, Rodrigo Velasquez, fruit buyer, and the founder and owner, Earl Herrick, of all of them, of Earl's Organic Produce. That's earlsorganic.com great website with lots of tips and we already got a bunch of tips uh christy we were saying sweet potatoes and cranberries can be bought a couple weeks in advance stored right stored well how would you store cranberries in the fridge they like a cold um yeah cold environment Just so in the, the fridge little is perfect. bag in the fridge at the bottom great exactly pineapple rodrigo we ended with that not an item you want to have for two weeks obviously right you got to no. buy it fresh you want to buy it fresh what's the window like if you get one that is not quite ripe yet or buy max? it monday or tuesday oh really of thanksgiving week and really also there's some misconception that i've heard uh, that a pineapple ripens a pineapple doesn't get any riper the uh-huh. way really? it is it's just yeah. starts to Break down. It, it starts and to break down, so you're not, uh, you know, ripening a pineapple for for Thanksgiving. It's, it's like an apple or like a grape. It doesn't oh ripen no, after that's harvest. That's so good to know because sometimes I love pineapple and I go into the store and I pull the top leaves and see how loose, you know, how quickly they come off and all that. And some sometimes the produce manager helps me and he says, "Well, this needs another two or three days. It's actually not ripening. <laughs> it's actually breaking down, and that um, is it correct. might still be yummy, but the, and that is a myth." Yeah, they, they, they <laughs> okay. pull in the, the leaves. I we can talk, uh, you know, uh, quite a few minutes about pineapple myths, like turning them, you know, turning them down upside down because the sugar apparently will go down. <laughs> Since the pineapple grows from the bottom, yeah. it's uh, the sugars are it's sweeter towards the, the the bottom of the pineapple and it's less sweet in the crown. So you know, you may think that it makes sense. Uh, get rid of the crown, turn it upside down for one day, and it will make the entire pineapple sweet, sweeter. <laughs> That's not that true. Well, you know, girl is cracking up. <laughs> gravity will not help you. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I would say, you know, the color. Another myth: Oh, a yellow really? skin pineapple is riper. That might be true in the world conventional, where they're, um, you know, in sure. the fields they're sprayed with ethylene to bring artificially bring up uh-huh. the yellow color. In organic, 
you know, you can't use those practices in yeah, the field. Yeah, it seems like there's some universal truth in your work, like gravity doesn't help you even when you're past 40. It doesn't <laughs> seem to help me, but um, there are produce items. No, 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 like, no, 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 don't go away yet, because this this is I'm like the yet. holy grail of pineapple information. I'm saying there are items like tomatoes that you can put upside down, right, that we've learned where you want to store them, or peaches or stone fruit where the sugar from the bottom actually rises upside down to the stem end. Isn't that true? That's how you want to store them. For me, I never found that to be true other than the bottom of the peach is going to be sweeter because on the tree it's, but in terms of- So upside down is- Well, but but, but when you do storm, you do storm stem down because that's the, you you got a couple of shoulders to sit on. Sure, but not because the sugar travels. I don't think so. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What what else? Pineapple, give us the world. Sure. So um, the pineapple that we see now is totally different from the pineapple that probably uh, our grandparents uh-huh. saw. Uh, we can enjoy an improved variety, that, which is called the MV2. It's a, it's a very... MV2? MV2, uh-huh. which is a, a very non-romantic uh, uh, name. name. You, you know, know? <laughs> we live in a world of, you know, uh, sweet tango or uh, <laughs> flavor grenades and, you know, sure. for produce. Yeah. Uh, Purple or haze, passion, whatever. Sure. Yeah. You know, what you name it. You know? MZ2. But you can mark with a name, but MD2, that is not, there's no poetry in sure. that name. Not much. But it's. Uh, could be the initials of a lover. Let's just say that. That's it, why it, it was cool. named. Well, the same I in that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the MD2 is very peculiar because it moved from the older varieties that were more of a on pineapple, not good flavor to into this cylindrical pineapple that has an outstanding flavor. And uh, I would like to, you know, also mention again regarding the color, uh, organic pineapple uh, is, it will always look greener on the outside, but that is not an indication of ripeness. Why is that? Because they the, don't, the gas. they don't gas them. So, Rodrigo, how do you pick a, a pineapple for ripeness? Is there any way? You're yes. smiling. That's such a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> so fructose is heavier than water. So oh. look for a heavier pineapple. Look at all the pineapples, you know, take them, try to weigh them with, you know, your hand. And, um, Consider the size, but the size is usually, you know, retailers will, you sh- will traditionally store one size, uh, yeah, either exactly. a six count or a seven count, or some will go with an eight count, but they will not have different sizes. So size will be very uniform. And just pick wow. some and take the one that seems to you the heaviest. Wow, or really put it in the scale at water. the produce department real quick, right? And like, oh, wait, yeah. I mean, if it, if it's significant. How about my silly little trick with pulling the leaves? If they're really loose, they're... That right, will right. only tell you that they're fresh. Oh, gotcha. Oh, but that's that's still good. If they come up quickly, that's freshness. And if they come up quickly, they're not very fresh. You want them to be hard to pull. Unbelievable. <laughs> you had this so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I've been buying the wrong pineapple. Oh, the, now wow. also with the, with that uh, with the leaves, if they're uh, aged, if they show some age, that's going to also indicate that they're older. So you want them pretty darn bright and and alive and vibrant. Those pineapple and, uh, leaves. And how since they don't ripen at home, how can you if you see one in the store, you can lift it up on its leaves. It's they're not coming off, so that's a sign of freshness. They're pretty heavy. You pick the heaviest one. How can you make sure it's it was picked ripe or s- mostly ripe? Like how can you know it's not a 
way too sour. That's just a seasonal thing. And that, uh, you know, that is one of the items I'm picking for Thanksgiving. Uh, in uh, in Costa Rica, which is the uh, uh-huh. main producer Homeland, yeah. of, uh, of pineapples, uh, there are two, although it's a tropical country, it still has seasons for pineapples. And there's two peaks of production that co- are, you know, at the same time, the peak of flavor. Uh, the first peak is in during um, Easter, holidays, Easter, March, and in the second peak, which is the biggest peak, is during uh, uh, Thanksgiving. Wow, I had okay. no idea. Bingo! Pineapples wow. from Costa Rica. I hold them up on its leaf. It needs to stay. They need to be bright and green and really, really, really heavy because fructose is heavier, heavier than, than water. water. Wow! Oh my gosh! I'm bowing to you. That's amazing. <laughs> cool. Fall produce, produce, of course. Oh, what other what other items do you d- deal with throughout the year as a fruit buyer? Um, what are your uh, specialties? Apples and pears. Well, you know, I always say this, and I hope it's okay. It's radio friendly. Uh, for the most part, any item that grows in a plant and is legal, I have dealt with it along my life. Oh, yeah, we've done <laughs> way worse on the radio. You can say that. Yeah. Uh, so, but what I'm buying now is uh, apples and pears, uh, citrus, and melons and that makes a year-round crop for you since you know you i mean you offer apples they might not be domestic but as production goes out you cover a pretty big geographical region in that sense you're basically covering the world wherever production may happen for those items is that roughly right it it is roughly right and uh, you know apples have uh, a very peculiar (laughs) maybe we can talk about apples some other day but uh uh yes it's it's year-round um, every single week is different, and you may not notice it because you see, you know, your Fujis year-round in the grocery store. But there certainly is uh, um, every single week is a, is an adventure. Nice. I like to be roughly right. <laughs> 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 that's just great. Well, uh, and that's again um, the team of Earl's Organic here with us: Christy Biddle, fruit buyer, Rodrigo. Velasquez, fruit buyer, and Earl Herrick, who started all this. And Earl, Sita. And Earl is a fruit buyer, but mm, yeah. you've done it all. You've done <laughs> vegetables as well. And so let's talk a little bit about veg, because yeah. this isn't necessarily a fruit holiday. It's an everything holiday. So what else? Like mushrooms are big right now. Mm-hmm. Green beans are big right now. Brussels mm-hmm. sprouts. All kinds of yeah. things that tend to show up on your table this time of year. Hence. What what does it look like? What does the season look like? Well, you know, it really is a veg. Uh, in the industry, we consider it a veg holiday. Mm-hmm. Because you look at your table, you have your turkey or whatever your main protein is going to be but then you have celery with stuffing Mm -hmm. you have the obviously the the potatoes and yams green Um, bean casserole yeah yes and you know things like parsley though you don't think about it but a lot of people use that in in, uh, stuffings so those items are really prevalent right now you know they, they really represent the harvest and what's great about those that i just mentioned that they hold up really well you can actually buy ahead on an onions potatoes and yams a, a couple a couple weeks early enough the ones that are are a little more take a little more care are going to be mushrooms and beans i would not buy those till the week of thanksgiving like on that monday or tuesday they're much more perishable now that being said you you roll the dice a little bit because beans is probably the biggest item that huge demand and supply can get very tight Generally, the, uh, the domestic crop is ending and the Mexican crop is just starting. And that those are items that are planned very specifically for that time of year. But whether 
jumps in. Uh, if certain parts of the uh, United States uh, want to offer more money, they're going to ship there. So try to get those three or four days. Uh, you can store them in the refrigerator. I like to keep them in a plastic bag, pretty tight in a cold part. Uh, not that's, too, the, that's the beans yeah. in a plastic bag. Yeah, yeah. You want to keep uh, you want to keep the humidity in there, and you, but you don't want them too cold either because then they'll they'll uh, develop rust, mm-hmm. that little brown appearance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's those are the main those are the main items you want to focus on, and again, a lot of production this year, a lot of supply. You should not have any problem. Great. And mushrooms yeah. is one of those finicky crops we've learned that when you store them at Earl's Organic Produce, we are talking no. tenth of a degree that can make the difference, right? Is that true for all mushrooms or do you have different mushrooms? First, is that true for all mushrooms? And within that, do you have shiitakes that need this kind of temperature versus portobellos that need that kind of temperature? Mm -hmm. Well, generally those brown skin ones, which is the portobello, the shiitake, since they are that color, though they still need the same care, they're not as visually impaired. For example, if you gotcha. have a button mushroom, a white mushroom, you, you can see that immediately after one day at the improper temperature. If it's over about 38 degrees, it'll start breaking down and you'll see a little browning. But the shiitakes, you're not going to notice that. Huh. So all of them should be kept as uh, cold as possible. And uh, again, I think airtight is great. And d- you don't move them around a lot because they'll, they they bruise very easily. Not freezer, right? Nope, no, no, not freezer. But one sticky. thing you can freeze is cranberries. I wanted to mention that oh. when we were talking about that earlier. Freezing cranberries is great. So if, for example, you get a great deal on cranberries, you buy a lot and you don't use it all, not a problem. Throw it in the freezer, it'll keep fine. Well, it's a berry. That makes sense, actually, because yeah. I forget that they're berries. Because yeah. I don't eat them just raw the way that I eat other berries. But you don't need to, you don't need to cook them into a cranberry sauce before you freeze them. You can freeze them as a fresh raw fruit. Absolutely. So let's talk about cranberries. I know you pick cranberries, Christy, because you love them. Is there like a special family recipe or a way that you like to have cranberries? Well, it's funny. Um, my grandmother actually takes cranberry sauce directly out of a can and serves it on the Thanksgiving table in the shape of the can, which (laughs) is so funny to me. She also makes a cranberry relish. um, And funny is very generous of a term. Yes. (laughs) Endearing. But it is, and that's kind of what the holidays are about. You know, those family traditions, you don't know why, but that's what we do, and I love it. That was Um, my family tradition, too, the cranberry sauce shaped like a can. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, there are fantastic ways to prepare a cranberry sauce with either ginger or a little bit of orange zest can be really exciting. Well, and we've got a great recipe on our blog to inorganicconversation.com. It actually goes with a maple ice cream. So it's a maple ice cream with a spiced cranberry sauce. And the thing about cranberry is because it, I believe, Christy, correct me if I'm wrong, it's the pectin in the cranberry that gets it to hold up. When you cook it, you don't need to add any kind of gelatin or anything. It, it basically turns into that consistency Gelatinous, that you like, like so right. much that you liked, you know, in the can shape. <laughs> It'll do that all on its own. Yeah. Um, and so it's not, a, it's not a difficult thing to prepare at all. And nice actually see that what you're actually saying is that whatever sweet we add to it usually often people add so much sugar to cranberries that it becomes kind of the sweet sauce it's actually lovely when you preserve that tartness of a cranberry right as a balance to the fat and the sweetness that you have in your other meals it's really the only really really tart item that you that 
traditionally is part of a Thanksgiving meal. So I always cringe when it's like so sugared up that it's basically a sweet marmalade. The right. cranberry is supposed to be tart, and that's where it shows its full flavor. Do you agree? I do, oh. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Any other cranberry favorite things you want to get in while we're here? Cranberries, not as much. Um, one of my other favorite recipes that my family makes every year, we do sweet potatoes and put a little bit of orange juice, like two tablespoons of orange juice and one teaspoon of orange zest into any sweet potato recipe with butter and cinnamon, like your traditional dish, and it puts a really fun twist on that as well. I love that. I've actually had people, we've had people write us and say that they were used to the sweet potato uh, marshmallow thing, and they are not doing marshmallows for whatever reason. What Maybe they were vegan and they couldn't find vegan marshmallows or they didn't yeah. want the corn syrup or whatever. And they've been asking, well, what's a good substitute for something sweet? I never thought about that with the orange juice. What a great idea. It's really delicious. That's they recommend it. Cool. Rodrigo, how about you? What is what's What do you do with, I know we, we love grilling, but is that... Grilling pineapple. Is that what you do with pineapple? Well, uh, you know, um, <laughs> going, going back to the pineapple, uh, I think that living with produce and working with fresh produce <laughs> is is just that it's very simple i just peel it and by the way one of my favorite ways of peeling up a apple is when i grab it from the crown and peel it with a machete Ooh. it's m- the most aus- authentic closer to what i've seen in costa rica um so what you hold it up on its crown i hold it up from its crown let's say uh um, horizontally oh gotcha uh-huh. or maybe with an angle uh-huh. and then my right hand my left hand with a crown and my right hand with a machete that is about I would say maybe uh, 50 centimeters wow what is that in inches you, you do the math. yeah okay. yeah <laughs> 20 25 <laughs> inches long yeah. and then you know you know I if you're not coordinated, this may have some... You lose your pineapple. Uh, well, pineapple. if you're not coordina- coordinated <laughs> enough, you may hurt yourself. So I'm not recommending this to the people, you know. <laughs> but it's, don't, don't try this at home. Don't try this at home, please. <laughs> uh, and and then with my right hand and this big machete, and it, it, it makes you feel so good every time you swing the machete and you just peel it and churn it and keep peeling it. Yeah, yeah, I would literally lose half the, the pineapple, I'm sure. But I, I can see the hand. original feeling of, I mean, just like coconut, right? If you have exactly. a, a somebody mm-hmm. who deals with coconuts since childhood, and when they break it open for you, that it's just like music. I mean, they mm. just know what they're doing with it. They know exactly how much pressure. It's just beautiful. Rodrigo so is I a trained professional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when you started talking about pineapples for this time of year, I had memories of my mother making pineapple upside down cake. And it wasn't a summertime thing. She actually did it in the winter. And now I think I understand why. And one thing that I had asked her at some point about how she made that, she doesn't use sugar in the cake because she doesn't need to. The pineapple was so sweet. So uh, now I'm feeling like I may need to add that to my holiday dinner table. Well, we're almost out of time. It's fall produce time. It's holiday season bounty cooking, how to shop, store, and prepare the bounty of the fields for this holiday season. Here on An Organic Conversation, I'm Helga Helbert. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And we are joined by Christy Biddle, Rodrigo Velasquez, and Earl Herrick, all of Earl's Organic Produce. Earl, what's your what's your favorite this holiday season? What do you make? What do you love eating 
even if you don't make it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm not sure if longtime listeners, this is going to be a a, a repeat or not, but there's two particular things that I, I, you know, when you get together in a group and you choose what are you going to make and what are you going to bring and things like that. For me, mashed potatoes, Mm -hmm. uh, that's just the deal. And mine are a little different because I regard anything that is in the kitchen as a possible insert into a mashed potato, (laughs) whether it's mushrooms, corn, I'll do broccoli, uh, little flowerettes, uh, and of course you do garlic and onion. And uh, you know, I, it's kind of a, a one uh, one dish meal, if you will. The other one is a dessert. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What what potatoes do you use as a base? Are we talking yeah. sweet potato or fingerlings or like the, m- mix thereof? I love it. Yeah. I, uh, I I generally use a, a yellow fin or or a golden potato, but I've also used russets and fingerlings in particular. Those very dense yeah. ruby crescents, things like that. They make a very unique. Uh, potato because it is such so dense and for me I, I i don't use a lot of butter i i cook it with just a about an inch or two of water and i use that water that's left which is got a lot of mineral content left over from sure. from cooking washed and, out yeah yeah and, that, and it's it's it, so i just use a little bit of dairy to to kind of bring it into into another consistency so almost any potato will do with skin all like absolutely got to do it yeah got to do the skin thing nice. that's that, where it we all had is. your mashed potato with corn mix i mean <laughs> yeah i don't know what you do to it but it seems so straightforward and simple and yet it's so mind-blowingly yummy and yes you do use the best produce that i know you have a source for where you get that but yeah i find it around yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what other items oh that was uh a dessert, a, a pie. I'm a pie guy, and you know the pumpkin pies. But I don't like I don't like pumpkins that well. Sugar pies. I mean, they're okay for for some, but for me, I use a delicata or a sweet dumpling, hard squash, and then I use a, a sweetener, whether it's a molasses or honey or maple syrup, and it's pretty straight ahead. But I use that that alternative, and it doesn't take a lot of sweet potato to make a good pie. You know, you have about two. Uh, or butternut, of course, is always great. One butternut will make probably three pies. Some of those mm-hmm. guys are As so big. As a filling? Like you, you just use a sweetener and mash up the yeah. mash from the potato and yeah, put I, it in a... Yeah, put in a blender, uh, a little wow. bit of... I uh, generally use half and half or, or some condensed... Uh, milk, a, a couple cool. uh, cinnamon, a couple other things like that. Well, and I'll say too. So we had an entire episode on pie with Casey Coletti, which I know, I know you remember, Casey. Yes, <laughs> Casey. absolutely. At least you remember the pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're hand in hand. We've yeah. done a handful of things with Casey, who's an incredible, incredible yes. pastry chef and, and a chef of all other kinds. But anyway, so Casey has a recipe for a sweet potato pie, yeah. and I was recalling as Christy was telling her story, she uses mm. orange juice in the recipe, and it takes this pie to a whole other level yeah so uh maybe we'll contact casey it's, it's a recipe that she wrote for bowman college so i imagine that we could call the folks at bowman college and get that posted as a holiday treat for everyone well, well earl gets first dibs though yes please <laughs> so you know citrus th- that I- introduction of citrus whether it's in a zest or, or a little bit of juice that is prevalent in so many different things mm-hmm. and just adds that nuance and it's, it's wonderful it's and almost grounding it. in a funny way right it almost holds yeah. it together it's like it's almost the canvas yep and that's that. the other thing that's going to be available uh, in Thanksgiving, which is really the, we're going to have a, a, a show on this, I'm sure, uh, Satsuma Mandarins. That's mm-hmm. the first of the citrus, and that is a key uh, element for Thanksgiving. Nice. Why don't we do that next week? Let's do that next week. I'm yeah. so yeah. ready for week. Satsumas. Oh. And All that right. about wraps it up. Wow. So many great tips and really hearing it from the 
horse's mouth is that the right expression yeah yeah yeah, yeah we had three horses not here. that kind yeah. i always thought but i know it that doesn't the seem expression. complimentary no, no. <laughs> from the from the experts in the field people actually who have made produce buying or fruit buying in this case in christie's and rodrigo's case their career and passion. I got to say, these two are the buying arm, the fruit buying arm. They source all the fruit that we have. And to have these wow. people, these two folks here, to have this experience, and they, they do it every day, and they come in and solve problems, they source the product, they make sure we have enough, and they look for opportunities. And to have these two doing that is a, a great source of uh, comfort to me. Thank you very much. Yeah, and the service you provide to organic agriculturalists out there who need good partners, you know, whether they go to farmer's market or sell through wholesale partners, like we have to be good partners as buyers and shoppers and any any person in the middle um, dealing with both sides, in this case, Earth's Organic Produce, as, as the key leader in that marketplace. So, yeah, thank you for what do you provide the, the change you are actually creating through your work? Wonderful. And that's a full hour. We totally skipped the music here a couple of times. That produce was the music was of the so day. It was so delicious. <laughs> it was. A, I love that produce was the music of the yeah. day. That's an organic conversation. Fall produce, how to shop, store, and prepare best for the holiday season. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And we will be back with another episode next week. Speak See to you soon. soon. Happy holidays. Bye. <laughs> Bye. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. This show would not be possible without the ongoing support from our listeners. Whether it's a dollar a month or a one-time donation, please consider becoming a patron of An Organic Conversation. For more information on how to support this program, please visit patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash An Organic Conversation. Thank you for your contribution. An Organic Conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters. Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store, home, or business since 1988. The website is earlsorganic.com. And also Fry Vineyards, America's first certified organic winery, producing organic and certified biodynamic wine. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. Thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helberg and Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye.